Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Business Wire reports that North America's two leading guide dog schools, Guide Dogs for the Blind in California and the Seeing Eye in New Jersey, have joined forces to make a training video for airport and airline employees to better assist visually impaired travelers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Joining us to talk about the video are Guide Dogs for the Blind president and CEO Christine Benninger and the Seeing Eye president and CEO, Glenn Hoagland. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you, Brian, great to be here. Thanks, Brian, it's a pleasure. All right, everybody, tell us about yourselves. You first, Christine. All right, sure. Well, um, I've been here at Guide Dogs for the Blind as CEO for a little over seven years. It's been a real honor, actually, to be um, able to lead this organization. Prior to coming to Guide Dogs for the Blind, I was the CEO at Humane Society Silicon Valley down in San Jose. I was there for 17 years. And prior to that, I was with Hewlett Packard for 15 years. So um, I've kind of, you know, had a foot in both camps, both the for-profit world and the nonprofit world. But uh, I can say that definitely this is the best job I've had. It's, It's a wonderful place to be. Great. And I was really, um, Glad to be welcomed into the profession less than two years ago uh, by Christine and others when I joined the Seeing Eye. But I've I've led mission-driven organizations uh, in, in other nonprofits for about 35 years. And again, coming to the Seeing Eye was a bit of a pivot for me um, to a human services nonprofit. I had led land conservation organizations, but uh, it was again a really special honor for me um, that the Seeing Eye, you know, uh, was chose me to lead this organization into the future and build on our 92 years of success so far. But um, for me, it was a really, really uh, great opportunity because my mother was blind and she really helped me understand a lot about people who are determined to live life in their own driver's seat despite a physical limitation. So I'd always known about the seeing eye and was so um, thrilled to be chosen to lead it. All right. So I understand that Guide Dogs and Seeing Eye teamed up to create an important training video for airline employees, um, airport employees, to teach them how to help the blind and those with Guide Dogs get on the plane, get across the airport, go to the ticket counter, find their seat. Um, How did Guide Dogs and Seeing Eye team up to create this important video? Really, it was the brainchild of of Chris and her team at GDB, and we are so grateful that they thought to ask us to participate. It was a great idea, and we were glad to to jump on board and collaborate. That's really good. I I have to say that, you know, we have been thrilled to be able to collaborate as well. Um, When the Department of Transportation early on in the pandemic issued guidelines about, you know, providing safe travel they really didn't offer any tips at all that would specifically benefit the blindness community. So this was the brainchild of our director of advocacy, Rabia Dow, 
And, you know, uh, Rabia is a, is a collaborator and he really believes that, you know, we are stronger together. So um, we reached out to the seeing eye and I, I actually think the project um, is a much stronger, vibrant project because of the fact that we've had, uh, you know, two guides, two guide dog schools, you know, collaborating together on this project, as well as the airlines and TSA. That's very good. You collaborate with Alaska Airlines and United and Oakland Airport. And um, didn't you collaborate with another airport on this, too? Newark Airport. Newark. Yes, I've been to Newark. It's a fabulous airport, too. And Oakland as well. (laughs) Flown out of both airports. Um, This is really good. I understand that the specific focus of this video is to address those important social distancing guidelines that we've lived with now for over a year while going through the airport and onto the plane, right? Yeah, I'll go ahead, Chris. Oh, I, I was just going to say you're, you're exactly right. It does, you know, address uh, social distancing tips. I mean, that's a big part of the video. But, you know, it also addresses, you know, other great tips and education about access and etiquette. And um, the, the, the whole goal is to make travel safe and comfortable for all people um, of all different abilities, um, as well as those um, from the blindness community. And I would just add, I think it has a lot of uh, great tips, you know, for um how people should understand um, the uh, six foot distance markers and how challenging that can be on floors and stores and public places and places like airports and uh, extra obstacles, you know, out in the community now during COVID such as sidewalk cafes that weren't there uh, that have popped up since COVID. And all of these are ways that um, we need to be thinking carefully about how to keep places accessible for everyone and, you know, I think the pandemic's been hard for the entire population, but it is true. It's probably been particularly onerous for, for blind people. But, you know, I think we're we're given solace by the fact that so many blind individuals are used to overcoming the disruption and, and really adapting and persevering through change. So it's been hard for blind people, for sure. But I think that um, like the rest of the population, um, you know, and perhaps more so blind people have adapted well to to the COVID situation. It's been tough, but everybody's adapted. But um, speaking of toughness, this is going to be a stupid question, but why do you both think COVID's been especially isolating for the blind, especially when it comes to air travel? Um, I'll just I'll just jump in real quick here. I mean, because I think Glenn actually addressed it um, in his earlier statement. Um, so many of the social distancing cues actually have to be seen, right? You know, that they are, you know, directional arrows, you know, stand here signs. Oh, yes. Um, All, you know, taped off areas. These are things that, you know, somebody with a visual impairment, um, whether they're using a guide dog or a cane, can't can't see, right? Um, Aren't aware that they're there. And, you know, so many of our own clients have told really horrific stories about, you know, trying to either get onto a bus or a plane or going into a store, not realizing that 
they are getting within that six feet of social you know, distancing requirement and having people yell at them. And so, you know, that in itself is not only upsetting, but it sort of makes you want to stay home. Yeah, not go out. Um, (laughs) And so, well, you know, the pandemic, I think, has been isolating for all of us. These are the types of things that makes it even more isolating for, you know, those with visual impairment. So all of this makes sense. Now, let's get into the video here. It talks about some of the best tips and practices for airline and airport employees when it comes to helping blind and visually impaired travelers. What are some of the tips? Can't forget the travelers who've got guide dogs, okay? Sure. Well, I'll, go, I'll start, and Chris can feel free to add. Um, you know, first and foremost, I think it was to help assist teams, guide dog teams, navigate through TSA screening. Um, you know, making sure that airline personnel know that there are different ways to assist people who are blind and visually impaired. And one of the things is really the sensitivity to always ask, you know, what the traveler needs instead of making assumptions. Would the traveler prefer, you know, a human guide? um, And how would they prefer that? Or would they prefer to hold the cane and travel at a social distance using the length of the cane? Um, Or would they prefer to walk ahead or behind um, the, the, the blind or visually impaired traveler. So those are all ways that airline personnel, um, you know, I think benefit from what was provided in this video about best practices. So these tips range, range from just providing that superior service to, to just providing that physical assistance without violating the social distancing guidelines that are in place now. Right. I- I agree. I think there's there's also just some great best practices for assisting a person who is blind or visually impaired, really in in any setting, um, under really any, you know, any situation. I think oftentimes people aren't really quite certain, you know, how to assist somebody with a visual impairment. So I think this this has this actually has an evergreen quality to it that will be helpful regardless of whether we have a pandemic or not. Now, um, is this video just another example of how guide dogs, we hear a lot about them on the TV and um, on the internet, how the organization's evolved as an organization just to better serve the blind and visually impaired community? Well, thank you. Thanks for asking that, Brian. I, I appreciate that because I do believe that this is a good example of that. Um, Guide Dogs for the Blind truly believes that everyone should be able to live the life they want to live and to move through the world safely and confidently. So we're always looking for ways to support our clients as well as the greater blindness community. And so over the last several years, you know, our services have really expanded And that goes anywhere from, you know, education and advocacy. Um, I'm really pleased at some of the things that we've been able to accomplish in conjunction with the Seeing Eye and other guide dog schools this past year, one of which is, you know, um, aligning the Air Carriers Act with the Americans for Disabilities Act. But, you know, in addition to our advocacy efforts, 
we've also been working on trying to make up for the lack of services that um, some area of the countries have and have been expanding our youth programs, our orientation and mobility immersion um, services so that there's a greater range and depth to what we can provide people. And the focus really is on providing people, um, addressing people's needs based on where they are in their life. So on a side note with your organizations, um, how's the pandemic hit you? Has it hit you really hard or less than expected, more than expected? And when do you think they're both gonna bounce back? Sure. Uh, Chris, do you wanna follow on with your answer to that and then I'll answer or? Sure, sure, I'll just finish up here. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. This has been a tough year. It's, it's, it's beyond a year, right? 15 months. 15 months. Um, we had, you know, we've been operating um, for pretty much this entire time. And, and I know Glenn will speak to that as well. I mean, there's no way for us, any of us, to be able to stop because, you know, at any one point in time, we've got 4,000 dogs under our, uh, either direct care or oversight care, as well as 2,000 clients. So um, we've had to retool, you know, all of what we do to ensure social distancing and safety. Um, what we've done is sort of switched from having large um, on-campus classes. We've really reduced the size of our classes on our campuses and made up for it by doing um, in-home training. So doing one-on-one trainings with people in their homes. As things are beginning to now come back and you know people are vaccinated, the CDC is reducing their requirements. We're really looking to um, on July 1st, basically go back to sort of, uh, sort of the standard, you know, service levels that we were providing pre-pandemic and that would mean, you know, larger on, on-site classes. Um, our volunteers are back. Um, those are the kinds of things that, you know, we're, we're looking by July 1st to pretty much be back to normal. Yeah. And likewise, we developed a pandemic plan to guide the organization very early on and really never shut down, but we did, um, you know, have to foster our dogs off campus to give them safe, places to live um, and uh, so that they didn't languish in the kennel um, while we couldn't really serve our students. So we brought the dogs back early last summer and brought the students back on August 24th and have really served um, the, our students continuously since then at a reduced uh, class size with social distancing and, and safe social distancing protocols and all the, the things, the measures that Chris mentioned um, have been in place at GDB as well. Um, we're now gearing up we, with this last class, we've geared up to um, a class size of 14, which is about half, uh, halfway towards our former class size, uh, about a uh, little more than four, halfway to our typical class size of 20 to 24. We've been serving classes of about 10 to 12 throughout, and we have had a pandemic um, quarantine program in place. So students from farther away would have had to quarantine in New Jersey could stay in a local hotel, which we had a great arrangement with to support our students. And that's worked really well to be able to serve people from farther afield. 
who have to quarantine when they come to New Jersey. That's now been lifted. Um, and so we're moving forward back towards normal. But it, it um, you know, because the two things you really can't do remotely are train a dog and, and uh, work, uh, you know, to, to create a seeing eye dog partnership. We've also done home turnovers and the like and continue to um, do the smaller class sizes and to forge ahead. All right. Everyone, um, how do your schools enlist the participate? How, how they enlist the participation input from Alaskan United Airlines and Oakland and Newark airports and even the TSA? Yes, the Transportation Security Administration that's at each of the metal detectors and, uh, and body scanners and just checking out everybody to make sure they're safe to fly for this special video. Well, I'll add, I'll mention that our, um, one of our graduates who works on our staff, Melissa Allman, who's our senior specialist for advocacy and government relations has had a really good contact and relationship with um, the TSA at the Port Authority in New York, Newark. And um, so really we've been engaged in education and advocacy with the key airlines in Newark and with the key officials there for a long time. So they were really enthusiastic and, and embraced it. So we were really glad that they did. I think all of that's fantastic. Have, have you heard from anybody who's been on the internet just to watch this video? Have you heard anything from them? What do they think of it? I, I was just going to say, I mean, we've heard really great things from yeah. people. Um, and I Likewise. think, you know, um, and, and I do want to say a special thanks to Alaska Airlines because they were really instrumental and very excited about doing this. Um, we've been working with Alaska for a number of years on ways to improve travel for people of all abilities, but, you know, particularly those for individuals with visual impairments. So, um, they were helpful in, you know, eliciting the help of TSA, of Oakland Airport, and, um, you know, I mean, really and truly, this this was a collaborative effort. United worked with this, worked with you on this, right, too? Yes, United was fantastic here in the East. They have a hub in Newark, and um, we've done a lot of work with them over the years, and it really was a bi-coastal effort with the two airlines and the two airports and two, um, you know, different branches of TSA. Well, this is fantastic. How can our listeners check out the video? Well, it, it is on both of our organization's websites. It, there's a link um, to the video on Vimeo, I believe on, on yours as well as ours, Chris, right? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. And I believe there's another link to the, on the original press release. Yes, I Right. And as you know, Brian, it's also on ACB's uh, latest issue of Dots and Dashes on ACB's website. Okay. What I'm going to do, I'm going to take that um, link that had both the press release and the video. I'm going to put it on speakingoutforthebind.weebly.com. That's um, the best place for that everyone's going to find it. And it's an easy place to find, too. Well, everybody, is there anything else you'd like to add? I, I would just say thank you, Chris. I, and it was a great opportunity to collaborate with GDB. And, you know, some of our one of our grads that went to Harvard likes to call the seeing eye the Harvard of 
guide dog schools. So I, I think of you as the Princeton of guide dog schools. And, um, or how about the Stanford? There you okay, go. or the Stanford. That makes more sense, right? Um, I, I, I guess I'm thinking New Jersey centric, but the Stanford of guide dog schools. And um, you know, I would just say we really appreciate the hard work of both teams from the two organizations. And um, you know, I, I think of us as both being in the independence business. You know, we have a long history of advocating for the rights of people with disabilities, but for me, many of our constituents are the most powerful example, really, of that, that thriving mindset, you know, and they're motivated and empowered in so many aspects of their lives, including independent travel. So that's really what this video is about, um, furthering that goal. And Everyone, all this advice will help our listeners have good flights for the foreseeable future. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website at speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. In my show archive, visit acbradio.org slash speaking-out-for-shy-blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. You may also access the podcast feed at speaking-out-for-blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Introducing Sunday Edition with Anthony, a weekly magazine show featuring the movers and shakers of our beloved organization, topics and news that affect us all, some great roundtable discussions, and of course, a lot of fun. So join me every Sunday at 1 p.m. on ACB Radio Mainstream for Sunday Edition. That's 518-906-1820. You're listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, a service of the American Council of the Blind.